Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. In Hebrews 13, verses 20 and 21, this great letter ends with one short expectant prayer. And what if the whole letter was written to set the stage for that short expectant prayer of faith? A prayer that could only be prayed upon the foundation of great and wonderful truths. You want to pray with power? Know the foundation from which your prayers are to be founded. This is where the author of Hebrews is in his prayer here. He's taken us through a survey of the complete sufficiency and supremacy of Jesus Christ. Jesus is greater than the prophets and the angels, and he's greater than Moses, and greater than the temple, and greater than the high priests, and he's greater than the sacrificial system, and he's greater than all the past shepherds of the people. He's greater than all because he is the culmination and the fulfillment and the answer of everything that was anticipated in the Old Testament. Everything that has been designed up to, in history up to that point in time was pointing and leading us to him. He is the word of God made known. He is the salvation of God brought down. He is the way of God opened up to us. He is the ultimate provision for all of our sins. At the very beginning of his letter, the author tells us that he is the exact representation of God's being. And now what does he say? He is the God of all peace. He's the one who's authored all peace for us. And informed with all of this, the author begins to pray. And he doesn't pray crossing his fingers. He prays boldly, claiming the revelation of Jesus Christ as the basis for his request. That was our first point here. It's your prayer has to be prayed you have to have a basis for the prayer you're praying for someone. And because he comes to it with that sense of strong foundation, that basis, his prayer is something that is offered up for what has already been provided. It's a prayer for what has already been made possible by God. He's not groping for an answer here. He's not attempting to squeeze some concession from God in the margins of life. He is in this prayer plunging into the depth of all that God has provided. He's saying, God, pour this out. Give this, give this. God wants us to pray with boldness. God wants us to pray with confidence. And God wants us to pray. He wants us to pray with expectation. But to do so, you've got to know God. And you've got to know God's promises. And you've got to listen to the movement and placement of His hands and His feet in the world around you. Where you see evidence of God at work, you pray in that place. And when you don't see the evidence of God at work, you remember, you remember when He has worked and what He has done. And you let that be a precedent in your life to pray forward towards trusting and believing what God will do in another person's life or the person or the thing you're praying for. And you'll pray with confidence and you'll pray with assurance. You'll pray with anticipation in this way. Again, if you're going to pray for someone, make sure you have a basis for your prayers. Make sure you have a basis for your prayers. Build your prayer out of that. By the way, Paul here again is praying for the believer and so we're going to look at this prayer in just a moment. But I just want you to know that this is the kind of prayer you're to be praying for one another. We've been called to pray for one another. We've been called to lift up one another. The author here gives us an outline or an expression of the kind of prayer that we should pray that is consistent with the very things that we've just said. 
Let's just look a little bit longer into the foundation that the author lays us for this prayer. This foundation in which he gives expression to the worthiness and the will and the work and the word and the way of God. To the person and the purpose and the provision and the promise and the program or providences of God. Here's what he has backing up his prayer. Here's what he has in a sense as the basis of what he prays. He starts with the God of all peace. When he comes to pray for members of the body of Christ, he lifts them up before the one who they've been reconciled to, a conciliatory God, a God of relationship. If you're going to pray for one another, keep in mind, if you're going to pray for your brother and sister in Christ, you keep this in mind. God has reconciled them to himself. God has opened up the way for them to live in wholeness and peace. He's established them through the cross of Jesus Christ in a lasting relationship with himself. And as a peacemaker, pray. Grabbing hold of this God who makes peace and then laying hold of the person you're praying for. Start with God as a God of all peace. The next thing he does is, as to God's purpose, he says here that God is a God who pursues peace. God pursues relationship. God pursues wholeness. God strategically is working to bring about and bring about the expressions of the peace that he has won for us. And you pray, God, fulfill your purpose. Bring this person into wholeness. Bring this person into greater and greater expressions of the joy and the delight and the measures of the peace that you've won for them and you've brought to them. And here's the provision for that peace. It's your cross. It's your son dying for our sins and rising from the dead. God brought Jesus Christ into death for us. And God brought Jesus Christ into resurrection life for us. By the way, how do we know that the sacrifice on the cross of Jesus Christ for our sins has brought us peace? You know how we know? Because he rose from the dead. Christ's sacrifice satisfied the demand of justice against our sins. It has breached the gap of the judgment and division between us and God and removed the judgment against us and God's wrath from us and opened the way for us being reconciled to us. And we know it because he's risen from the dead. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, he would just be another sacrifice laid before the temple that was not enough and was not sufficient. He would just be one more carcass or one more body laid on the altar. And we'd be waiting for one final offering to fulfill it all for us and be the answer for all that we need. But he's risen from the dead. God brought him from the dead. A demonstration that I've accepted this sacrifice for your peace. Understand that. Lord, I don't know what the answer is for this person. Lord, I want to see you work in a powerful way. Lord, what's the answer? No, we know the answer. It's in the cross. It's in the cross of Christ. It's in all that you've provided. It's in your death for them. And it's in your resurrection life for them. Oh, you have something authoritative to grab a hold of. And understanding what God has provided. God, it's all been provided for for my brother. It's all been provided for for my sister. I'm asking for the outpouring of what you've already provided in their life. Do you see? Your prayer becomes strong and powerful in this way. He also prays for the word that's been promised to us. He expresses that by referring to it as the covenant written in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ speaks forever of the word of promise to us. God has backed up his pledge to save us with the blood of Jesus Christ, which speaks forever on our behalf. If you begin to read your Bible, you can find all kinds of promises that God has written for you in this word and written for 
your brother and sister in Christ. And as you read it, as you want to claim it, I want you to see that it's not just ink on a white page. I don't even want you to think of it as something that's been chiseled in stone like the Ten Commandments. No, this is something that's been written out indelibly in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and it will never fade away. These promises have been written out for you in his precious blood. Claim them. Grab hold of them. They're blood-bought promises. And as you pray in that way, and as you understand it in that way, your confidence in your prayer, your assertion in your prayer will grow. Also, he speaks about what he's programmed for us. He speaks about the good shepherd or the shepherd of the sheep. What you need to know in the providence is that God works through our life, is that God is forever drawing us further and further under his care where Christ is to be exalted forever as the one who is our good shepherd. He's to feed us always, lead us always, protect us always, rule over us always. The word shepherd, by the way, was a term that was largely used for the kings of Israel and Judah. They would have understood this. They would have understood in Paul's prayer that Paul was exalting Jesus Christ as the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And he was expressing the program or plan or design of God that Jesus Christ would rule in every way. So, I'm praying for my brother and sister, right? And I'm praying that God will work in their life. And you know what I'm really praying? Lord, bring forth the evidence of demonstrating that you are the Lord of their life. Bring them under the sway of your rule. Let them follow you and obey you so that being obedient to you might lead them out into green pastures and bless them and feed them and nourish them. Jesus, be Lord. Be Lord. That's the basis of the prayer. That's the foundation of the prayer. Very quickly now, let's look at verse 21. Having laid this basis for your prayers that you pray for others or that the author is praying for us here, I want to repeat something of a point that I've already made, but I want to make it our second point here. And then I want to demonstrate it in this passage. And I want you to get this in your heart and your mind because I think it's tremendously encouraging. Having laid down, you might say, the basis of his prayer in verse 20 and then offering this prayer in verse 21... I want you to see this one thing. When you pray, you find when you lay down that foundation, when you lay down that basis, you now have the ability to pray for the entirely possible and the completely provided for. When you lay down the foundation of all that God is and all that God plans and all that God purposes and all that God has provided and all that is under this providential work and His power, then when you pray along those lines, you're praying for something that is entirely possible and completely provided for. Here the author is praying for us. And what he's asking of God is entirely possible for us. It's actually what God has provided for us. Listen to it. May God equip you or perfect you with everything good. May you do His will, working in us that which is pleasing in His sight. Let's quickly look at these three things. He prays that we would be perfected in goodness. The word perfect there is a very interesting word and a wonderful word in the Greek. You might have equipped for every good work or made perfect for every good work, but the word there in the Greek means to bring things that are disharmonious or things that are complicated and complex things and to mend them into a harmony. He's praying, may God mend your life into a harmony The disparate things of yourselves, those areas of your life where there's conflict and where you're torn and broken, may it pull it all together and meld it into a harmony with everything that is good. 
Your translations might say every good work. May he perfect you for every good work. The word work is not in the Greek. Basically, in the Greek, it just says, may God harmonize you with all things good. With all that is good. What a wonderful picture of what God does in the heart of the person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. At that moment, God comes and dwells with us and He lives within us and He begins to take the confusing and conflicting expressions of our life, those things that seem to be all in disarray, and God begins to work within us, His harmonizing influence, pouring out and cultivating from within us His own good life so that He begins to bring it into greater and greater harmony with Himself. What a promise. Have you ever thought I am such a complex and conflicted person. I don't understand myself. God does. And the God of all peace, the God of all wholeness, comes and dwells in the one who puts their faith in him, and he lives in them. And God begins to set apart, begins to work, crafting his providential work to bring all these impulses in your life that seem to be pointed in all kinds of wrong directions and to harmonize them all together under the expressions of his own deep, profound goodness, kindness, love. And so what the author is praying for is something that God has already in the beginning and already begun to do in the life of these believers. Thanks for joining us today at the Bread of Life. To learn more about our work around the world, go to cpeonline.org, that stands for Church Partnership Evangelism. And to learn more about our fellowship here in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.